Fox News Network. When nostalgia is memories of restaurants, concerts, walks on the mall. When the good old days include being able to sneeze at Home Depot. When breathing free is a crime against humanity. You need a real leader. One who's focused on the truth. And his name is Dan Newman. That would be me. And I am so glad you are here today along with me and a bunch of other folks, and I hope you had an amazing weekend. Uh, I really hate that um, the weekend really got spoiled for a whole bunch of people yesterday. This thing that happened up in Wisconsin is just absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Waukesha, that uh, and that idiot that was driving that SUV that just plowed through a crowd in a Christmas parade and so far has killed five people with dozens of others wounded. So let me give you the latest, latest, just minutes ago. This is from CBS News about the Waukesha incident. We're going to begin, though, with a community that is stunned by violence by what should have been a very festive occasion, the annual holiday parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Video from bystanders shows a red SUV speeding past the participants, narrowly missing a little girl before plowing into a crowd farther down the road. Now, the vehicle's rampage left at least five people dead and more than 40 others were hurt here, including children. And officers fired their weapon at the SUV to try to stop it, but it's not clear if the driver was hit by the bullets. Now, this all happened along a multiple block stretch of Main Street in Waukesha, and that's where Nancy Chen is now. Nancy, this video, I have to say, is terrifying. We, we understand now that police have a person of interest in custody. Good morning to you. What can you tell us? Gail, good morning to you. A law enforcement source familiar with the early findings of the investigation tells CBS News the suspect was fleeing another crime scene, possibly a knife fight, when the driver plowed through the scene throughout the parade among the injured 12 children. The holiday parade in Waukesha turned from celebration to horror in an instant. The woman who shot this video from her apartment patio says she saw the red SUV hit at least three people running over two of them. One of the two got up, the other one did not for quite some time. It kept going all the way down the block to People's Park, the stoplight, and continued straight through it. At one point, it narrowly missed hitting a small child as it tore through the parade route. Stunned bystanders hurried to help the injured. We got about 10 to 15 people down in the street. We also got multiple critical cases. The vehicle struck more than 20 individuals. Some of the individuals were children, and there were some fatalities as a result of this incident. This video shows the SUV as it sped past spectators watching the parade. And all of a sudden, I just heard a really loud bang and I saw a red blur. Sarah Saldivar was at the parade with her two young children. Then I just saw little girls flying through the air. You just saw multiple bodies thrown through the road and you saw like the lawn chairs and the blankets. The SUV appeared to smash through more barricades as it sped away. Police eventually recovered the vehicle, and they say they have one person of interest in custody. My heart goes out to those who were witness to these events. My heart goes out to those who lost a loved one tonight. I want to thank all those who sprang into action tonight to provide help and comfort to those who were injured. 
And many in the parade were dance, cheer, and band members from local schools. Classes are canceled here today, and the district says it's bringing in extra counselors for students in Staff Gale. And so we have, um, let me get let me get on the right channel here. We have the name of the um, alleged driver of that SUV uh, vehicle. And um, just before we went on the air, we did some research to find out a little bit about him. And uh, his name, give me a second here. His name is Daryl Brooks Jr., age 39, from Milwaukee. Daryl Brooks Jr. Now, we did a quick investigation, and let me tell you what we found out about Mr. Brooks. He's 39, as we said. He's African-American, and I don't know anything about his background. We did a quick um, address search, and he's been in Milwaukee for a long time. Um, Don't know anything about his politics yet, but what we do know is Mr. Brooks is a, um, I, I, I don't want to say he's a musician because I don't know a lot about him. He is a wannabe, at least, rap music singer. And just as we were a couple of minutes late going on the air, I looked him up and I, and I found one of his musical offerings, rap musical offerings. So why don't we do this? Let's, um, and, and I have no idea. I was unable, didn't have time to peruse the actual video so we pulled off the audio bite for you to listen to with us. Don't know what he said. Don't know if there's any profanity or anything like that. But this is a guy that uh, has killed, allegedly, at least five people in that parade. Take a listen with me. D-Mark got that. He... I just got a low worth about a half a ticket 30 in the blicker when I'm out here chasing chicken Was observing to the game when I used to play the benches Now I swipe the venture, got him looking at me different I can't miss him, yeah, AR with a stenching, yeah Venom when I kiss him, yeah, kidnap you and missus, yeah Work all in the kitchen, damn money by the ceiling fan Shorty wanna take a chance, I'ma need a cash advance Only fuck with real gritters and I have been around gorillas Ever since a little nigga fucking on my babysitter Put some prices on the nigga, you know they gon' come and get you You see how the models did him, now he look like Tyson Hit him, I was in the slums and Weather, I was still trapping, sliding on the pussy early morning. Bitch, you still lacking. Caught him in the mall, had to tuck it in my heel figure. You know, I got okay still doke, with him. Okie doke, okie doke, I apologize for the obscenity there. Again, we did not have time to edit or even listen to that video. I, uh, I just thought it was appropriate that we could get at least a little glimpse into somebody. And this just blows my mind. How could, if you saw any of the video, that streaking SUV he was driving right through the middle of a parade, and he came from behind. People that were actually in the parade did not know he was coming, and he just plowed over over people. Five people so far killed, confirmed dead, uh, and at least another 30 or so were injured. This is just insane, folks. This doesn't happen in the United States of America. Maybe in a third world country, maybe in a, uh, a torn apart uh, Middle Eastern country or in Southeast Asia, war-torn countries, never in the United States of America. And what the heck is going on? What's the big deal 
about Wisconsin, folks. I mean, we had the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. We're going to get into a bit of that. It was insane and still is. You would think that a unanimous verdict on five counts by a mixed jury, everybody would say, well, facts prevailed. The rule of law prevailed. (laughs) Not so much. Maybe this, this incident that happened yesterday in Waukesha, not far from Kenosha, as a matter of fact, maybe the two are tied together. I will bet you when all the dust settles, we'll find out that there is a connection, maybe a political one, but I believe there is a connection. So the Catholic Archdiocese of Milwaukee has issued a statement on that parade tragedy, calling the incident horrible, requesting prayers for victims. Our prayers are with the people who have been injured and killed during the tragic incident in Waukesha. That's a statement from the Archdiocese and Communications Director, Sandra Peterson. Among the injured are one of our Catholic priests, as well as multiple parishioners and Waukesha Catholic school children. The incident led to the deaths of five. More than 40 others were injured. Local officials said this this guy, they just named him just a, 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 probably 10 minutes ago, as well as the vehicle in question have been taken into custody. But they declined to provide the identity initially. Uh, as we told you, we gave you the name and let you listen to a little bit of his um, uh, four-letter word um rap music offering. Police Chief Dan Thompson said that as the SUV broke through barricades, a police officer fired his gun in an effort to stop the vehicle. Thompson said no bystanders were injured. He did not know whether the driver was hit by the officer's bullets. What took place in Waukesha today is sickening. I have every confidence that those responsible will be brought to justice. That's Attorney General Josh Call. So we'll keep our eyes on it, folks. Um, just a just a horrible thing to happen. I mean, you especially don't give any thought to something like this happening in the holiday season. This is Thanksgiving week. Kids are supposed to be out of school and being excited about spending a week. The, the, the one thing when I was growing up that I thought I really liked about Thanksgiving, besides the obvious, you get a, a week off of school, Um, And that was back in the old days where you really did get a week. Now, pretty much, most schools are just closed Thursday and Fridays. Nevertheless, that was the beginning of probably my favorite time of year. I love the holiday season. I do. Starting, I guess, with Halloween and then rolling right into November, which brings Thanksgiving. And then just a few weeks later, we get the Christmas season, a lot of out-of-school holidays, a lot of family things, time, and all, all kind of fun things. Just a great time of my life. Just imagine how many people in this small town, 76,000 residents, how many people's lives are changed forever. The obvious five, their lives were snuffed out in one moment. But their families, the community... There are probably thousands of people whose lives were changed permanently in an instant. Who do you think left their house yesterday going downtown for this parade? They gave one little thought to not coming home at all. I'm not trying to scare anybody. 
I'm just trying to point out some of the obvious things that we just take for granted. We take life. We take today. We take to tomorrow. We're tempted to always take them for granted. We don't think about the minutia of a day. It's just another thing. The alarm goes off early in the morning. You jump up and bam, you're right at it. Whatever your day is going to look like. We never think about that may be our last day on the planet. We seldom think about coming home that afternoon and that spouse or that child that we got ready to go to school or get up and go to work that day, that they might not come home this afternoon. And I guess what it tells me and what all of these folks up in Wisconsin are dealing with today is we need to be thankful for the time that we have that we've had and understand that there is no guarantee that we're going to get a tomorrow on planet earth. We don't have the control of that. There are powers around us that do. And obviously one of those individuals decided to take it upon himself to take some people out. This is the United States of America. This should not happen here. It should not happen on our watch. But it's happening, folks. It's happening. There are so many different tragedies and travesties. I mean, the T-words rolled in together. You could, you could almost sit here with an open microphone all day long every day and give instances, specific instances, of bad things happening to really good people. And, of course, the obvious things, the questions that we all ask. Why, 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 why? There are parents of five kids. I believe that. I believe that's the number of children that were taken down in this travesty. Think about their holiday seasons going forward. They'll never be the same. They'll never be the same. So we have a lot of other things to visit about this morning. During the show, we're going to get some more details about this thing that happened. Maybe some of the whys, maybe I'm sure questioning going on right now of this suspect. And then we're going to also go back and revisit the Rittenhouse debacle that still goes on and on and on. And let me just tell you this, going forward, I'll mention this again before this show is over. We're preparing a blockbuster story to publish tomorrow morning at truthnewsnet.org. And it's not about the Rittenhouse case. It's not going to be about this Waukesha, Kenosha case. It's not going to be about anything specific regarding individual circumstances. But it's going to be about an explanation for all of the horrors, the debacles, the inequities, the evil. It's permeating our nation in a manner I don't think I've ever seen before in my lifetime. And we're going to try to drill down and get to the whys. So you don't want to miss it. It'll go live at 1.45 tomorrow morning. And uh, it's going to be another one of those stories. If you remember last Monday, our story um, that was taken in part from an interview with Robert Kennedy Jr. just before his book went live, published exposing Dr. Anthony Fauci. We had two and a half million people read that story. I don't know that this one will rise to that level, but it, it's going to be one that you're going to want to 
make sure that you process. And it's going to be one of those that will make you think. You'll ask questions, but you'll get some answers, some why question answers in the story tomorrow morning. Again, 1.45 a.m. tomorrow morning, it goes live. Now, we, we have big partners, groups of partners around the world. Um, so a bunch of those partners, they wake up before we do, so they'll have already read the story. Anyway, back to business here today. Have you noticed or have you sensed in this uh, this year and a half now, even more than that, longer than that, almost two years, where our attention has been dominated by everything to do with COVID-19? Have you kind of followed the ebb and flow of concentration on new things and new information, facts, numbers, all those kind of things. There's been something of an ebb and flow in the media. It's like we'll go through a week or two and there'll be some conversation, but it'll just be kind of casual conversation. And then all of a sudden we hear cases are ramping up. People are dying. Oh my gosh, we got to do this. We got to do that. We've got to take action. It's, it's been so constant and so incessant that we've seen those cycles. I'm beyond thinking that none of this is impacted from persons, groups, whoever, that are purposefully manipulating the time flow. Now, what came out this weekend, it just, it just blows my mind. New Zealand Prime Minister... Jacinda Ardern, she announced a brand new COVID-19 traffic light system. And what's this about? Well, it will subject the unvaccinated to more restrictions. And at the same time, it's going to lift the tough lockdown rules there for those who have been vaccinated starting next week, December 3rd. The new rules will ease lockdown restrictions for Auckland, the capital, the most populated city in New Zealand. And Auckland's undergone really tough lockdown measures for more than three months. As previously said, Auckland will enter at red. Now, these are settings. Red, obviously, would be the worst setting regarding lockdowns. The settings for other parts of the country will be based on things like vaccination levels. But the cabinet has already confirmed that no region in New Zealand will start at green while they are transitioning and managing a current outbreak. Now, this is according to the Prime Minister. A vaccinated person will still be required to wear masks on flights and in public transport like taxis, retail and public venues that are under the orange level. Under the red level, all kinds of gatherings, hospitality for the vaxxed can go ahead with limits on numbers. But the unvaccinated people, listen closely to this, they're going to be denied entry into any events, restaurants, hairdressers, and cafes that use New Zealand's vaccine certificates. Under their orange or red level settings, hairdressers, events, gyms, close contact businesses that don't use vaccine passports will not be allowed to open at all. Restaurants and cafes that don't use vaccine certificates will only be able to offer take takeout food. 
gatherings and funerals are going to face lower caps on numbers. Individuals in New Zealand who are granted a medical exemption from getting vaxxed will be able to enter venues without disclosing their vaccination status, but they'll be required to apply for a temporary medical exemption, do that through a health provider twice a year. Auckland is scheduled to undergo a trial starting Thursday, whereby hairdressers and barbers in the city can open to vaxxed individuals to ensure a smooth transition headed to the D-Day, December 3rd next week. Prime Minister reportedly selected hairdressers and barbers because the seating arrangement allowed social distancing to be maintained. Now that means staff, all staff, will be required to be vaccinated. Only vaccinated customers get to get their hair did. The cabinet is going to announce color levels for each part of New Zealand the last day of this month, just before the new measures kick in. In response to this announcement of vaccine mandates and other pandemic restrictions, protesters said the measures were anti-freedom, that's according to a November 9th protest with a turnout of over 3,000. As of the 22nd today, more than 1.1 million New Zealanders have applied online for a digital vaccine passport to show proof of their vaccination status. The government had previously rolled out vaccine mandates for border workers, prison staff, teachers and staff in the education sector, and employees in the health department. New Zealand has among the lowest COVID cases in the world, under 10,000 cases reported so far, and only 40 deaths. It reported 205 new cases early this morning, and its total double-dose vax rate had reached 83% of its eligible population. Now, I'm giving you all the minutia of what's going on in New Zealand to illustrate something. We're getting away from dealing with the science with which we make determinations about COVID. And I'm not just talking, when I say we, I'm talking about everybody. It seems like it's a worldwide thing. Now, please keep this in mind. We're only covering the surface of the world. How many countries in the world are there? It depends on who you speak to and at what time of the month (laughs) and what month of the year. But they're somewhere pretty much always between 192 and 200. What do you hear? Do you hear news and information regarding COVID-19 from 200 different sources? No. We hear about a few in Europe, a few in Asia, a few in South and Central America. Maybe once in a while we hear something coming from our neighbors to the north. But on the most part, I would say it's less than a dozen nations do we here in the U.S. get COVID-19 related news about. Why do you think that is? You want me to tell you truthfully what's going on? When you put the context, in context, what's happening regarding all things COVID, the scientific part of it, You know that thing we've been told from the beginning, you've got to follow the science, follow the science. If we do that, we find very few places on the planet, very few 
that are actually being barbarically locked down with these egregious measures not coming from science or scientists, but coming from political entities. You know where in the world COVID-19 is happening in the smallest percentages with the least horrors and sicknesses, serious sicknesses and deaths? What continent would you think that would be? Africa. Now, why is that? Is COVID not there? No, COVID's there. Is it not as bad as it is in a bunch of other places? Well, here's the answer to that question, and listen closely. We can't answer that question because we're not getting truthful information out of the purveyors of information. Folks, if you put in context... Here at just the United States of America, if you put in context the stuff that we've been told that we have to listen to, the science, but they won't give us the science. They give us a representation or an explanation that they have, they being who? The purveyors of information, the media. We don't get news in America anymore. We don't get information in America anymore. Now, everything we get, everything we hear, everything we read, everything we see, we're told it's factual information. But then when we dig in and dig in and we find things that just don't quite line up and we begin to ask questions, We're not getting from those purveyors of information. We're not getting plausible answers to our questions, aren't we? Basically, what we're told to do is you you can't do that. You can't be an anti-vaxxer. You can't think there's something that's not truthful coming out about COVID-19 from the CDC and Dr. Anthony Fauci and the FDA. And if you think we're not telling you the truth, there's something wrong with you. It seems like every day another major medical professional steps forward and says, I've had enough. We're not getting the facts. We're not getting the right kind of medical treatment options. We're being told things that we must do. And there is no must do in anyone's authority that is telling us that. And it starts with the way they treat you? Do you remember back at the very beginning of the pandemic when you went to one of the critical care places, what they told you if you had the symptoms? There was only one thing they could do on site there legally, and that was to treat your symptoms. They could not treat you for COVID-19. You were always referred to a medical inpatient situation. Have you ever wondered what that's all about? You remember for, I guess, ever since they've started having these standalone critical care things, work care, whatever you call them, they would always take care of everything. I mean, there was a doctor there. You would see a doctor. Uh, Sure, if you had symptoms, they would treat your symptoms, but they would test. They would do blood work. 
all those kind of things and, and give you, it was almost like going to your normal doctor anytime you had something go wrong or your child had something go wrong, you took them to the doctor. And these quick care situations, they were kind of the next level up in healthcare. They were somewhere between your physician and inpatient care at a hospital. And it worked really well. But it was, it was amazing. I've got people in my family. They got symptoms of COVID. They would go to a quick care. And the quick care would tell them very quickly, all we can do is if you've got fever, if you've got a wheeze, all we can do is treat the wheeze and the fever. We can't do anything else. But what we can do is refer you to the emergency room at such and such a hospital. And when you walk in the door at the hospital, the first thing they're going to do is test you for COVID-19. It just seemed to go downhill. The, the uh, what do I want to say? The integrity of our healthcare system in the United States, where we could always trust what we were being told by physicians. And over the last 18, 19 months, what's happened across the nation, I've seen it grow and grow and grow and just get larger and expansive, is distrust in what was formerly the bastion of integrity that we all could rely on. What was that? The United States of America healthcare system, best on earth. I don't even think we're in the top 20 right now. Politics has taken over our healthcare system. And the, some of the most knowledgeable people in healthcare that I know personally, and I know personally because I've been in the healthcare industry at a national level for 28 years, some of those people are afraid to even speak their minds because they're being lambasted by the media, local and national whenever they come out and say something that they know is factual. It's almost like this election scam thing from 2020. Just because I said the word scam thing and election in the same line, I'm automatically branded a MAGA person. Because anybody that thinks there was some improprieties that happened in the 2020 election that need to be investigated, you're immediately thrown into a bucket of deplorables that CNN and MSNBC, New York Times, Washington uh, Post, they all borrowed that basket, you know, Hillary's basket of deplorables, and they just throw us all in their basket. Now, don't listen to what these people say. Careers of some of the greatest Smartest people in healthcare have been obliterated, destroyed by the likes of Dr. Anthony Fauci and his minions in the media. Tell me, tell me, raise your right hand and swear an oath and say, I promise to tell you the truth, Dan. I'm going to ask you a question. Was there any wrongdoing anywhere in the United States in the November election in 2020? that could have, may have, changed the results in election results? Think about the answer. It depends on who you answer it to. If you answer me, you're fine. But if you're somewhere else, and if you're, say, 
uh, a person in your community that has some status, socially, politically maybe, or you're just well thought of, and you even give an inkling of questioning in your mind about the results of the 2020 election, you're immediately branded a heretic. It's becoming less and less every day about facts and more and more about opinion. It's about making certain people's opinions about everything acceptable. And others that don't fall into that category, every bit of opinion that those people give is immediately just because they're in that basket, they've been shoved down in that 2021 basket of deplorables, anything you say cannot be believed just because it's you saying it. This kind of thing is not new on Earth. This kind of thing has been in existence since Earth has had people, more than one. People have opinions. That's part of what being a human being is about. That's what sets us apart by every other sector In the animal kingdom, we have the ability to reason. Anytime you have people that can reason, you have people that can figure out ways to use other people, to put other people in a subjective situation, if not literally, at least subjectively in people's minds. Have you ever known anybody that didn't talk a lot? never said a lot, but was always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. A lot of those people live that life, and the reason they don't get vocal about a lot of things is they don't want to deal with the fallout. Maybe maybe that's the smart thing to do. Maybe I'm stupid for doing this here at Truth News Network and TNN Live, because there are a lot of people around that know me. Far more people know me today than did five or ten years ago. Why is that? Because I've stepped forward. Because we at Truth News Network are committed totally all in to find facts and not just find them for ourselves, but to talk about them for you. And that's the antithesis to what the political correctness in the nation is today. You know that. It's You have no right to express an opinion if it's different from us. Who is us? We're still filling that bucket. Every few days it seems that we thought somebody was out there that was into, you know, the fundamentals of being American, the right to say what you think even when it offends someone else, the right to own a gun, the right to expect all elections to be handled according to, you know, that little bitty thing, election laws passed by the people according to the U.S. Constitution who have the sole authority to change or to operate elections. That's the state legislatures, not any individuals, not any governors, not any secretaries of state. You know, we're the people that we look at Alejandro Mayorkas and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, and we expect them to function according to the oaths of office that they made when they agreed to and they entered into the positions that they hold today. Mayorkas, Secretary of Department of Homeland Security. 
Joe Biden, president. Kamala Harris, vice president. All three of those and everybody else that serves in government, as part of their oath of office to serve, they promise to protect the Constitution of the United States. And yet those three and millions of others, they trample all over it, don't even think about it every day. The rule of law, what the heck is that thing worth? It's out the door. We don't abide by the laws. I'm going to segue right from this into a couple of things that happened the last few days regarding DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Two senators questioned him. Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. And I want you to hear both of them interface with this guy who, quite honestly, folks, single-handedly did away with the southern border of the United States. And it started January the 20th when Joe Biden became president of the United States. And his Secretary of Homeland Security took it, took the advice, no question about it, came from the White House. Stop deporting these illegals that cross the southern border. Find ways to keep them here. And that, for anybody and everybody, including a president and a vice president and a DHS secretary, is illegal to do. Listen to Senator Marsha Blackburn questioning Mayorkas. Are, are you familiar with the name Robin Pacero? I am not. Okay, Pascal Gaspar Andres. I am not. Or Gaspar Gaspar Andres. Or Juan, Juan Carlos Morales Pedraza. These are just a few of the criminal illegal immigrants who have been charged with a convicted crime against American citizens since Joe Biden took office. This has happened on your watch. Uh, Pachero was charged with a hit and run. It left a father of two dead. The Andres were charged with stabbing a man to death. Uh, Juan Carlos Morales Pedraza was he pled guilty to coercing a minor to engage in sex. So this administration's radical immigration policies are endangering Americans and costing some of them their lives. Does the Biden administration have any plans to issue million-dollar payments to the families of those who were killed or assaulted by illegal aliens? Um, Senator, uh, in 2020, there were individuals who crossed illegally into the United States. These are all on your watch. And committed crimes. These are is all it, on your watch. Is it, um, is it your position that the prior administration bears responsibility for that? I'm asking the questions, and these are all on your watch. Uh, the Build Back Better plan supports giving... Uh, green cards to illegal aliens. There are many advocates out there that are trying to get, make certain that gets shoved into the Build Back Better. I call it the Build Back Broke. Do you support giving green cards to illegal immigrants that have entered this country? Yes or no? Um, Senator, I, I believe in immigration reform and legislation that provides a path to citizenship to those who meet certain criteria. So you would support illegal immigrants having a path to citizenship and getting a green card when we have Americans that are out of work. Let me ask you this, yes or no, have you ever visited the White House? Have I visited the White House? Yes, have you ever visited the White House? Yes. 
So you're aware there is a fence around the entire perimeter of the White House to prevent unauthorized individuals from entering the White House, correct? Yes. And U.S. taxpayers are also funding a half-million-dollar fence around President Biden's Rehoboth Beach House, correct? I'm not aware. And your department is overseeing this construction. You should be aware of that. President Biden obviously likes walls when they protect him. So can you explain to me why a wall is effective and necessary at the White House and the Biden Beach House, but is not necessary at the southern border? Yes, I can. May I have that opportunity? It's up to the chairman. My time has expired. You may complete the answer to the question. There are, there are thousands of miles along the southern border, and I agree uh, with what then-Senator McCain uh, presented, which was there are different solutions for the border because of its tremendous expanse, the great diversity in the terrain that it must cover, and therefore the key, the key to border security is fundamentally advanced technology. That is the most effective means because we're not going to construct a border wall on the ragged and jagged cliffs in certain parts of the border. And if I may respectfully, Mr. Chairman, because I did not have a chance to answer any of the other questions, let me just respectfully submit that I disagree with almost everything that was articulated in the questions posed to me that I did not have a, res a chance to respond to. Let me just point a couple of things out there. I think the most obvious thing was he doesn't like to answer the questions the way they're asked. And most of those are just simple yes or no questions trying to get somebody on the record and be able to make decisions based upon the facts that appear in testimony. Mayorkas is a very educated, very well-educated attorney. But fundamentally, if you go back and tear apart the answers that he gave, first of all, he acknowledged, I don't believe in supporting the rule of law. The rule of law says that laws are made duly only in the United States by the legislative body of the people at the federal level, the United States House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate, and only then if the bills that those two chambers pass end up on a president's desk to be signed into law. Once they're signed into law, they have to be. They have to be enforced according to the United States Constitution. And what department of the government bears that responsibility? The executive branch. The executive branch, headed by Joe Biden, the executive branch holds the very obvious particular segment of the government that's charged with doing that, that of course is the Department of Justice. All those people answer to the president. Alejandro Mayorkas answers to the president. The president of the United States, along with all those people in the DOJ, they all pledge in their oath of office before they go to work, they will support the United States Constitution. Guess what the U.S. Constitution is full of? The answers to every one of the questions Senator Blackburn and uh, asked Mayorkas there that he did not answer. She asked him about enforcing immigration laws. And he plainly responded, I'm for allowing people that come here 
under certain terms and conditions, a pathway to citizenship. He does not have constitutional authority to even make that statement. The travesty is, he's not only making that statement, he's operating the Department of Homeland Security and by operating it in contravention of the laws that he swore to uphold, two million illegals in a year on his watch because of his ignoring those laws have allowed two million people to come across the border. Those are the ones we know about. The gotaways, we don't know that number. It could be more. Now, she named a few people that uh, have been killed since Joe Biden was president by some illegals that had horrible criminal records. They weren't stopped. The process of vetting immigration and those who come into the country has just been obliterated and ignored by Alejandro Mayorkas. So what does it all boil up to, Dan? When the final numbers and stuff come out, what's it come up to? Texas alone, two years. Two years in the state of Texas. I don't have the number, the year numbers, probably three, four years ago. In two years, 600,000 Texans suffered at the hands of felony crimes committed against them by illegals. Two years, 600,000 felony cases. And that's not a sufficient number for anybody in the White House administration, including in Homeland Security, Border Patrol, ICE, which is all part of the Department of Justice. That's not enough to get them to agree. Hey, maybe we should be enforcing the laws. Maybe we should do what we swore to do. And let me tell you this. Here's where I am in this whole thing. If Americans don't have the chutzpah to make the necessary changes, there's no doubt we're headed into the tank. We're going to be relegated very, very quickly in the pecking order of the powerhouses of Earth. We're going to be relegated way, way, way down from where we are and where we've been for 250 plus years as the greatest country on the planet. And in case you didn't know it, this president, even before he took office, maybe when he was in office before as the vice president of the United States, he may have hung the sign out then, but it's even in bigger letters now, the United States of America is for sale. You want to buy in? Give me, give me a call. More about that as the show goes on. You just heard Senator Marsha Blackburn grill Mayorkas. After we come back from this break, you'll hear another senator that just stirs him in a pot. <laughs> and that would be Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. That's up next at TNN Live. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. 
Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policy subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda. KVB.com's 2020 Best Value Brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance Event today. For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand image source from Kelly Blue Book. Visit KBB.com for more information. And now, Mr. Robert Goulet reads from The Writings of Bart, the collected after-school blackboard writings of young Bart Simpson. Mr. Goulet. I will not trade pants with others. I will not do that thing with my tongue. I will not... Xerox my butt. A burp is not an answer. I will not pledge allegiance to Bart. I will not eat things for money. I will not bring sheep to class. I will not instigate revolution. My name is not Dr. Death. To experience all of Bart's blackboard writings, watch every classic episode of The Simpsons. I will not call the principal Spudhead. The Simpsons, now five times a week. TNN, when only the truth will do. TNN, the Truth News Network. Doing digging into the travesty that happened up in Wisconsin yesterday in that Christmas parade, a guy driving an SUV plowed through 50 people injured, five people are dead today, and uh, more and more news is coming out about the perpetrator. Was a person of interest, and I guess still is a person of interest in the whole thing up there. So who the heck was he? Oh, we told you when we went live this morning. His name is Daryl Brooks, Daryl E. Brooks Jr. And um, let me tell you what we found out during the break. He has a very speckled criminal history. Dating back to 1999 includes numerous violent felonies. Police said this thing happened early yesterday. I'm sorry, early yesterday evening. 40 other people injured. This guy, Daryl Brooks, has a long rap sheet, a number of pending cases, Most recent court appearance came November 5th, I mean just a couple of weeks ago, for charges that included reckless endangerment, battery, domestic abuse, resisting arrest, and bail jumping. He was out on a $1,000 bail for those charges when he did what he did yesterday. You heard a little bit of the rap song that he did. I, I pulled it down because it's full of all kinds of obscenities. Pictures of him. I'm telling you, folks, it's a scary thing. (laughs) It's a very scary thing that we have this kind of stuff that's happening in the nation. Nobody's exempt. We didn't get a ticket because we're Americans, so we're exempt from all kind of horrors. No, the opposite is true. We don't have any control over what other people do. We just don't. Thankfully, God has put us in a country where most people will honor the rule of law, will honor and keep the laws of the land. And it just seems like now 
normalizing things that are bad or evil just has become a way of life here in the nation. That's spooky to me. I just, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. And we're going to go back to um, Congress on Friday, Senate hearing. Alejandro Mayorkas, you heard him being questioned by Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, Lindsey Graham, Firebrand from South Carolina, former federal prosecuting attorney. And he weighed into Mayorkas regarding the Afghanistan issues that happened in September. Was Afghanistan a successful withdrawal? Uh, um, Senator, um, the evacuation that the Department of Defense and the Department of State led was historic in evacuating so many individuals. Of those that are evacuated, how many were vetted before they got on the plane? Uh, Senator, um, uh, it is our policy to... That's a simple question. How many of them were vetted before they got on the plane? Um, Out of Afghanistan? Yeah. Cannot speak to that, but it is our policy... So you can't tell us how many people were vetted before they got on the plane to come to America? Oh, I'm sorry. If you're speaking of the plane to come to America, let me, if I may, Senator, explain the process. Because we, working with our allies... Okay, here's a question. Very simple. Those that got on the plane... For America, it is our policy to... Please, please listen. Please listen to my question. I apologize. To those who got on the C-17s and other planes, how many were vetted before they got on the plane by American officials? To the United States, it is our policy to vet and screen 100% of them. So 100% of those people that got on the plane were vetted. That's your testimony under oath. It is our policy to do so. I don't care what your policy is. I'm asking how many people were vetted before they got on the plane. Do you know the answer? Uh, Senator, if you don't I, know, just say I don't know. Uh, Senator, I do not know if anyone okay. uh, boarded a plane that was not fully screened and vetted. Can you tell However, me that all the can, people that got on the plane were vetted? Absolutely. I can tell you that all of the individuals. Before they got on the plane. If, if I may, Senator, <laughs> all of the individuals who arrived in the United States. Okay. Have been screened. And That's vetted. not. Listen, I'm not. This. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm trying to ask a simple question. We've had thousands of people that got on C-17s and flew out of the most chaotic situation I've seen since the fall of Saigon. And I'm asking you, before they got on the plane, how many of them were vetted by the United States? Can you tell me what percentage? Senator, I would posit, and I will confirm this that well over 99% of them were fully screened and vetted before they boarded a flight. Okay. If, in fact, any of Where do you get that information from? May may I, Senator? Sure. If, in fact, they were not, they were screened and vetted while in flight, and if any derogatory information was adduced, they were placed in immigration enforcement proceedings and... uh, in removal. Now, you do know you do know you're under oath. Are yes. you telling this committee under oath that 99% of the people who got on these planes in Afghanistan were vetted by our government before they got on that plane? I want to be very clear because precision Because you're not. No, no, no. Senator, if I may. You are asking me about planes from transit countries, the third countries. I'm talking about people who got on the plane in Kabul airport. States. No, I, I can't speak to that. Well, that's okay. Good. Just imagine 
if you had an employee that worked for you and you were over them and they answered in their job directly to you or some other management uh, manager in your company, but you were indirectly over them because maybe you were a senior manager and you got those kind of answers to questions, especially when people's lives or in the balance for the answers to those questions, as they obviously are, anytime anybody questions Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, everything going on at our southern border, and oh, by the way, he's involved directly with the State Department on everything that happened from the quote-unquote immigrants coming from Afghanistan. Folks, on his watch... More than a million illegals have just been waved on in, coming from who knows where around the country. Last number I heard, 169 countries have sent illegals that we have caught on their way in. 169 different countries, yet we're told still to this day by the folks in the Biden administration that the reason for what's happening at the southern border is because of all the egregious conditions for those poor Central Americans. There are only four countries in Central America, the upper part of Central America, where these immigrants were supposed to be coming from. (laughs) But the ones that we get when we find them and vet them and find what their nation of origin is, 169 different countries. Every horrible foreign country, every country that was a source for anything to happen regarding terrorism in any terrorist uh, uh, attacks anywhere on planet Earth, not just here in the United States, every one of those countries, we have illegals in our country today that got here because of the swinging door that's put at our southern border by Joe Biden and his secretary of Homeland Security. Does that not bother you? Does that not trouble you to the point of where you demand that something's got to be done? I mean, come on now. I, I, I'm i just a regular citizen. I'm just like most of you. I demand that something be done. And the only way that we can get our demands to be responded to is in the voting booth. I'm sorry, that's the only thing we can do. And then, as we're finding out now, just because we vote one way or the other, doesn't mean it's going to work out that way. It just doesn't happen. It just does not happen. Wow. And then there's this Rittenhouse thing. It won't go away. It just will not go away. And the top of the heap from the left, and when I say the top of the heap, I'm not talking about just politicians. I'm not talking about people that are just an entertainment from Hollywood. I'm talking about all the way from the top to the bottom. Members of the Democrat Party, politically, are lining up to denigrate the findings of that trial and the results that came from the jury last Friday. Maxine Waters. Oh my gosh. Mad Maxine, I call her. 
Yesterday on MSNBC's Alex Witt reports, Max decried Rittenhouse's acquittal of murder and other charges after he shot and killed two men, injured a third. Witt asked Maxine, as you well know, a couple of courtroom cases have grabbed national attention the last few weeks. Let's start with your thoughts on the acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse. What goes through your mind? (laughs) Well, Aunt Maxine, um, she weighed in on the judge's behavior first. Well, you know, I was absolutely disappointed in the judge, she said. He demonstrated from the very beginning he was on the side of the defendant. The business of not letting the jury decide on the gun issue, whether or not he was too young to have had a gun, he took that into himself. Now, let me stop right there. He didn't have a thing to do with the answer to those questions. It's a little thing called the law. The gun was legal. And it wasn't based upon a determination made by the judge or any attorney or even the jury. It was based on the letter of the law. He wasn't too young to have that gun. And that wasn't the judge's opinion. It was based on the law. But that doesn't matter to these people, folks. What matters is the political perspective that they have and they want us to share. She continued, it was unusual for him to allow this defendant to be able to select who the final jurors were going to be. He was absolutely outrageous in the way that he conducted himself. Everybody saw that. Well, everybody didn't see that. I didn't see it. I watched. And she continued, he was absolutely outrageous in the way that he conducted himself. Everybody saw that. He was the talk of the country, the way that he conducted himself. He was brazen. He was bold. He was on the side of the defendant. And I don't think justice has been served. Wow. She serves a district in Los Angeles, primary African-American group. And that's the best that they can send to D.C. to represent them. She, like many, many others on the left, they never, never comment making their opinions known based upon law. Of course, the way they justify is exactly what Maxine did, Mad Maxine did. She said everybody saw that and everybody thinks, everybody didn't think like her. But they want everybody that listens to think that because she said everybody thinks that way, that everybody thinks that way. And of course, everybody that is even remotely into politics has weighed in, pretty much weighed in from the beginning, way before the facts of the Kyle Rittenhouse came, uh, case came forward. For more than a year, all we heard that the guy was He was a killer. He slaughtered these guys. He had no authority. He was illegal. He was chasing people down, shooting them. We heard all this. And I'm not talking about rumors, folks. I'm talking about the Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, the big broadcast network news operations. So in the wake of this, a group of people that were armed with pistols and those Automatic weapons joined a socialist group's march in Kenosha yesterday. The protesters call for justice 
after a jury acquitted Rittenhouse. Fifty protesters gathered outside the Kenosha County Courthouse yesterday to march against what they called an injustice in the decision by a jury to find Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty on all charges. The group gathered around the banner of the Party for Socialism and Liberation. Now, joining that group, four armed folks who said they were from Chicago, of all places. The group appeared to have crossed state lines to march with two semi-automatic rifles and multiple handguns. The same thing that you heard Maxine gripe about, that the judge allowed it was okay for Rittenhouse. He came from Illinois. He went across state lines, and they all said, because of what was reported on MSNBC and CNN, that he brought that gun that he was too young to own. It wasn't even his gun. Brought it across state lines, which is against the law. (laughs) The law says otherwise, but forget about that. But these guys do the same thing you haven't heard anything about. Oh, they went across state lines. One of those armed guys, his name is Eric Jordan. He came to the rally with a 16-year-old daughter, Jade. Both came to the protest armed, both of them with semi-automatic rifles, AR-15s, just like Kyle Rittenhouse's. Eric also openly carried a pistol, which is legal. He was questioned by one news entity, and he said he came to provide security for the planned march in Kenosha. When asked if he was expecting resistance, he responded saying this, quote, just be careful. We need everyone to get home safe. And he's a veteran, he said. His daughter, Jade, she expressed disappointment in the not guilty verdicts handed down to Rittenhouse on Friday. I was disappointed at the very least, she said. That means he can still legally be able to get a gun. Both rifles, both of their rifles, displayed orange empty chamber indicators to show they didn't have a round chambered in the rifles. The pair, the father and daughter, joined the rest of those marchers who were led through the streets of downtown Kenosha by Jacob Blake's uncle, Justin Blake. Jacob Blake, if you'll remember, African-American man, was killed by a white cop. The riots in Kenosha last summer followed an incident where cops shot Jacob Blake during a domestic dispute. The shooting didn't kill Jacob, but he is permanently paralyzed. Prosecutors didn't even file charges against the officers involved in the incident. The two cases are nothing, nothing, nothing in them is similar other than that somebody got shot. Now be honest with me. Listen listen to what I'm about to ask you. Did you not think for a year? Now remember this thing with Rittenhouse happened in 2020. A year ago, August, a year plus. Did you not think from the news coverage back then and then all of the news coverage leading up to the trial several weeks ago, did you not think that Kyle Rittenhouse was a white supremacist and that he shot and killed two African-American men and wounded one other? Didn't you just assume that? Did you ever hear CNN or MSNBC when they were reporting about the Rittenhouse thing until the trial started, 
but before the trial. Did you ever hear them say anything about the race of those three men that Rittenhouse shot? Did you ever hear that? No. Why? Because they didn't feed into the narrative. They needed to fuel the fire of rebellion and revolution and, you know, anti-white this and anti-white that. And telling the fact that a white man shot three white people and further telling telling that that white man was not chasing the people that he shot. One of the men, all three, by the way, had criminal histories. One of them, mental histories, had just gotten out of a mental institute. They don't ever tell you anything about that. Mad Maxine, she didn't mention anything about that. One of the guys testified. (laughs) He testified that he was pointing his weapon at Kyle when Kyle shot him. Nobody talked about that. No news person even mentioned that. Facts don't matter when you're trying to paint and then prop up a perspective that is totally based on politics and has nothing to do with facts. The gun wasn't his. He didn't cross state lines with the gun in the first place. It was already in Wisconsin. His dad lives in Kenosha. All three of those guys had either attacked him or were in the process of attacking him when the shootings took place. Nobody on the left, none of these politicians and we're not through telling you about what some of them have said about this thing during the weekend. None of them, not any of them, will reference the evidence in the case, and they denigrate those 12 members of the jury. How could they do this? How could they come up with this? How could they rule him innocent on any of the charges, yet alone all five? We know he's guilty. They didn't see any of the evidence. And so... By taking the positions that they took, what do they do? And they being, I mean, we can line, tomorrow we're going to have a list of probably 40 or 50 people whose names you know, people from every walk of life here in the United States that weighed in on their feelings regarding what the jury decided. It wasn't a judge. It wasn't a lawyer. It was a jury of his peers Kyle Rittenhouse, that spent several weeks examining, listening to, looking at video, FBI video, listening to evidence presented. I mean, pictures, personal testimony, none of it, none of the evidence pointed even a remote possibility that Kyle Rittenhouse committed murder. What's going on here? What's the purpose? What's the driving force? You may not know the answer to that question until tomorrow morning's story at Truth News Network. We answer it. And it's not about the rule of law. What is it? You'll find out then. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. See the bold new expression of sporty style. Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque. And experience greater acceleration than ever before. 
Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my. Long live the courageous, the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good, the helping hand, those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram. Proven to last. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel. The printing press. The internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Yeah, this thing with Kyle Rittenhouse and what happened, it just won't go away, and I don't think it'll ever go away, and it's because there's too much that people that want to use in the Rittenhouse case for whatever purposes they may have, they're not going to let it die because they see it as fodder. Now, what are you talking about, Dan? Let me, let me just tell you this. CNN, in the big scheme of news media, Cable media, and that's what all of those that are not part of the, the three big broadcast entities, ABC, CBS, and NBC News, they're classified as cable. Maybe not cable because they're on satellite or whatever, but they're not broadcast entities. Consumers have to get it either from a cable network or they have to be able to get it via satellite. Those entities are constantly trying to find ways to make their operations relevant to American people. And of course, the first at doing that was Ted Turner, way back. You remember when he owned WTBS and he's the one that founded CNN out of Atlanta? It was all cable at that particular time. CNN was the very first television network that was 100% news. And they had some credibility at the time. I know a man personally that was their first anchor. He actually came from uh, Monroe, Louisiana, went to work for CNN. Earl Casey is his name. Well, they're trying, CNN today is trying to find a way to make themselves relevant. Now, Ted Turner doesn't own CNN. AT&T, of all places, all companies bought CNN. Nobody in their right mind can understand why AT&T hasn't dumped them because they don't make any money. CNN has no ratings. And we won't go into all the numbers, but on any one day, if you go over to the evening talk shows on Fox News, who would that be? 
that would be that would be uh, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, um, even the late night shows. Any one of those evening shows on Fox News, as far as ratings for any single day, Monday through Friday, you pick a day and go look it up. The viewers on just one of those shows total, in fact, are more than the total of all the CNN viewers in the entire day. CNN does not have a host of followers, so what do they have to do? They have to dramatize and release news and information that sucks people in. You want to go, if you're, for instance, why did CNN survive during the Trump administration? Why did Rush Limbaugh do so well when Bill Clinton was president of the United States for eight years? Bill Clinton was a far leftist. Rush Limbaugh, far right, conservative. Why? Rush Limbaugh, he said it himself. When uh, Bill Clinton won re-election, I remember, I, I was still in radio at the time, and I remember callers were calling in to Rush Limbaugh saying, what are you going to do now? Clinton won again. You're not going to have anything to talk about. And Limbaugh said it's exactly opposite of that. People don't want to listen to the attaboys. They want to listen to the horrible things that old Bubba did when he was in the White House. You know, doing doing a staffer in the Oval Office. I mean, literally, I mean, that's big news. That's what people, mob rule, are wanting to look at and listen to. And he was right. CNN has only survived through the last four years because of Donald Trump. Every day, wall to wall, all they did was negative. Most of it was not truthful. MSNBC took the lead there. And CNN is doing it again now. They followed up on the Rittenhouse not guilty verdict. They led over the weekend in their news lineup with an opinion editorial from a guy named John Blake. And listen to this. In the editorial, I'm going to give you some of the details of it in just a second, but he made a statement. There is nothing more frightening in America today than an angry white man. Putting it as a lead on the front page with a photo of the acquitted Kyle Rittenhouse it stated, it basically lumped the 18-year-old with men like Jacob Chansley, a.k.a. the QAnon shaman, and the white supremacists who were in the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. That's basically what he did. Though, though Blake admitted the vast majority of white men are no menace to society, he cited the numerous left-wing men who wallowed tear gas and braved rubber bullets while marching with demonstrators during last year's protest over the murder of George Floyd. In the middle of all of that, he asserted the time has come to put a certain character trait on trial. Quote, a vision of white masculinity that allows some white men to feel as if they can rule and brutalize without consequence. This angry white man has been a major character throughout U.S. history, he lamented. He gave the country slavery, the slaughter of Native Americans, and Jim Crow laws. 
His anger also helped fuel the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. It's this angry white man, not the black or brown man you see approaching on the street at night, who poses the most dangerous threat to democracy in America. So lest people accuse him of racism, which is exactly what I was about to say, he admitted his statement condemning white men so broadly was a sweeping claim while maintaining that the rise of angry white man, fueled in part by Trump, has led to a spike in political violence. His number one example, this just happened, Representative Paul Gosar, who's a Republican from Arizona, shared a cartoon in which he kills socialist Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York with a sword. Though Blake acknowledged the 2017 attack in which a Bernie Sanders supporter tried to assassinate Republican members of Congress and our friend from New Orleans, Steve Calise, still and will for the rest of his life be minus a kidney and he'll limp. In spite of all that, Blake believes that too many white conservatives fantasize about killing their opponents. Now this is nuts. This is nuts. But this is a major television network allowing an editorial alleging all of this to come out. Blake further feared in his op-ed that the conservative-leaning Supreme Court could make gun ownership more legal throughout the United States, which would therefore encourage vigilante justice, kind of like what America witnessed during the post-Civil War Reconstruction. He cited the January 6th riot on Capitol Hill as a sequel to those violent years. You know, there was so much gun violence January 6th. I mean, we had dozens and dozens of black people killed by white sycophants, right? There was one gunshot. One person died, and it was a white woman, and she was killed by a black man. That's a story for another day, but that's a fact. In his op-ed talking about this thing he just mentioned, he said that period was called Reconstruction. It was destroyed primarily by the violence of white men who used terrorist and vigilante groups like the KKK to assassinate elected officials, prevent blacks from voting, and overthrow state government, Blake said. What he fails and what other quote-unquote historians fail to say, the KKK came from the South. Oh my gosh, those evil Southerners, they're down there, a bunch of skinheads. They're pro-Trump. They're all KKK, racist. The KKK was established by not just a few Democrats, by the Democrat Party. By the Democrat Party. The KKK has always espoused and supported Democrat politics. But you know, you can't put labels on anybody unless, of course, you're a Democrat, a leftist. And if you're in the media, oh my gosh, if you have any power and you agree to assault the political enemies of far-left-leaning politicians and news media outlets, you're a hero. You're one of us. Blake said the January 6th insurrection wasn't unprecedented. In many ways, he said it was a sequel. He was citing an 1898 case in Wilmington, North Carolina, where white supremacists kill members 
of the multiracial local government. Blake did not so much as even acknowledge how the wave of angry far-left activists, black and white, burned their way across the U.S. in 2020, destroying businesses, homes, and neighborhoods. Blake concludes his op-ed with a warning that Rittenhouse and other cases point to a frightening future. This is what the future looks like. More angry white men emboldened by stand-your-ground and citizens' arrest laws inspired by, guess who, a conservative interpretation of the Second Amendment. Forget about the United States Supreme Court that has on numerous, numerous cases that have come before the court, even when it had a Democrat majority, folks, numerous times. The right to own and bear arms Part of the Second Amendment has been confirmed and reconfirmed and reconfirmed, but it's evil, angry white men, according to this guy. Speaking on MSNBC, NAACP President and CEO Derek Johnson even went as far as to say that the Rittenhouse acquittal was worse than the acquittal for those who killed Emmett Till. This was worse than the Emmett Till trial. That was worse than so many trials where we know for a fact individuals committed murder and yet they were not brought to justice, Johnson said. It's unfortunate, but this is America. And then, of course, the arbiter of everything to do with racism, Colin Kaepernick, a has-been NFL quarterback. He's black. He was adopted and raised by a white family that gave him the best of everything. Kaepernick's latest, quote, we just witnessed a system built on white supremacy validate the terroristic acts of a white supremacist. This only further validates the need to abolish our current system. White supremacy cannot be reformed. And I'll add this. So Colin Kaepernick said it, so let it be done. It's got to be factual. And then Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace. You know Bubba? (laughs) Ha. Let the boy be black and it would have been life. Hell, he would have had his life taken before the BS trial. Sad. Bubba Wallace said that. So it's got to be, I don't know who the heck Bubba Wallace is. I don't have a clue. And and it's not just the cable networks like CNN and MSNBC, folks. CBS yesterday, CBS, Face the Nation, that's their big Sunday show. Reporter Mark Strassman falsely claimed Kyle Rittenhouse crossed state lines armed for battle. He went to see his daddy. The gun was there. (laughs) Yesterday, the CBS program featured a news package on that ruling that came out Friday. Oh, my gosh. My gosh. You know the history of all that. Anyway, Strassman reported on all of the events that led up to the riots, including the police shooting of Jacob Blake. And then regarding Rittenhouse, Strassman described him as having been drove in from Illinois, armed for battle. Lots to unpack here, he said. This country's ongoing moment of racial reckoning, vigilantism, 
and self-defense claims from armed people who deputized themselves. Strassman's description was despite court testimony and police interviews, you know, first-hand witnesses, video from the FBI, all that kind of stuff. Forget about all that. Didn't fit our narrative, so we'll just feed our narrative and keep the uproar and the divisiveness going on on racial grounds only. He said that a Smith & Wesson M&P 15 rifle he used was already in Wisconsin prior to his trip across state lines. The trial revealed the rifle was purchased by 19-year-old Dominic David Black, who had kept the weapon in Wisconsin for Rittenhouse. So it was already there. Police charged Black, Dominic Black, the guy that bought the gun, with two felony counts of intentionally giving firearms to a minor. To a minor. But Rittenhouse faced no charges for possessing a weapon at the time. Other outlets have often misconstrued the events in Kenosha, frequently referencing his crossing state lines from where he lived in Illinois to Wisconsin. In addition to that, several Media pundits and Democrat politicians have labeled Rittenhouse a white supremacist, including then-president candidate Joe Biden in 2020. You just can't make this stuff up, folks. You just can't make this stuff up. President of the United States, when he was campaigning, he was throwing out an attack against Donald Trump for Donald Trump's very obvious support of white supremacy. I mean, Trump did it over and over and over again. How do we know that? Joe Biden claimed it, still does. White supremacist. Biden lies continually, still to this day, about what Trump said regarding the white supremacists, the real ones that were there, that were one of three groups that appeared in the Charlottesville thing. Um... I went blank there. My wife walked in and gave me uh, something to look at newsworthy. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, Charlottesville, if you'll remember, there were three groups that were there. And two of the groups were there legally. What do I mean legally? Anybody can go to a parade or whatever, right? I'm talking about to go and demonstrate in Charlottesville. If you want to do it legally, you have to get a permit. Two of them did. One that was supporting the action, one was against it. The third group, guess who the third group was? white supremacists that marched. Biden claims that Trump came out and said that the white supremacists were really good people. He said it publicly. We all heard it. We played it here for you dozens of times through the last years, over and over and over again. Trump said, quote, there were people, very good people on both sides at that Charlottesville demonstration. That lit the fuse. They don't tell you there were three groups and that there were two that were there legally. One of them was keeping that statue. The other one was, no, we don't want the statue. What Trump was referencing, there were two groups there and in both of those groups, there were really good people. They just had differing opinions. He didn't even speak about the white supremacist side. But that didn't fit. That didn't play into this this whole thing. It just didn't do it. 
what Marianne just brought to me was who is Bubba Wallace, the guy that the uh, NAACP president was talking about. He is a professional stock car racing driver. He competes full-time in the NASCAR Cup Series, driving the number 23 Toyota Camry, as well as part-time in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, driving the number 11 Toyota Tundra for Spencer Davis Motorsports. Um, He's an African-American. He's entitled, just as we all are, to our opinions about anything and everything. This, This just won't go away. I mean, it just gets louder and louder and louder and more divisive. Um, And I guess it's because there's always been differences in opinion. There always has been. That's part of being an American that, that gives us the ability to say we live in the freest country on the planet. But of late, folks, it seems to me that there is one segment of our society that is demanding unilateral authority to determine what we can say, what we can allege, what we can report. And if they happen to disagree with it, we don't have a right to do it. And they will go to unbelievable lengths to destroy us just for exercising our First Amendment rights or our Second Amendment rights. And just so you know this, they're just getting started. There's more. Oh, my gosh. There's far more. Of course, I just mentioned Joe Biden. Even to this day, he claims Trump supported white supremacists at Charlottesville. This is the man that has said this. Last week, here's what the president of the United States said. His house burned down with his wife, Jill Biden, inside... He said that last week before he tried to correct himself, adding to a long list of his personal stories that he embellishes over the years. He was speaking on a New Hampshire bridge Tuesday of this past week about that bipartisan infrastructure plan. And he said this, and I'm going to quote him. Without this bridge, as I said earlier, it's a 10-mile detour just to get to the other side. And I know having had a house burned down with my wife in it, she got out safely, God willing, that having a significant portion of it burn, I can tell, 10 minutes makes a hell of a difference. Now, as you can imagine, Biden had recalled this story before, saying back in 2013 that a fire destroyed, quote, a significant portion of his New Hampshire home. However, Facts matter, right? (laughs) A report from the Associated Press archive by LexisNexis said lightning struck the Biden's home, started a small fire that was contained to the kitchen in a matter of minutes. The report said firefighters got to the blaze, got it under control in 15 to 20 minutes. They were able to keep the flames from spreading beyond the kitchen. Joe's got a long history of exaggerating stories about himself. We know about those. Most recently, he recounted for the fifth time during his presidency a heartfelt yet factually challenged story about an Amtrak employee during a speech in New Jersey. 
the employee Biden frequently mentions actually died a year before the story was said to have taken place. That doesn't matter to Joe. It just sounds good. Last year, Biden had to walk back his repeated claims that he was arrested in apartheid-era South Africa while he was trying to visit Nelson Mandela. He later admitted he was not arrested, but was stopped by authorities. In 2019, he told a crowd of college students a story about a Navy captain in Afghanistan that was later debunked by, of all places, the Washington Post, who they are in the tank for Joe Biden. In 2013, he said he heard the gunshots of an Amish schoolhouse shooting kill five students while he was playing golf nearby in Pennsylvania back in 06. The Washington Times poured cold water on that claim, reporting that no golf course in the area had any record of ever hosting Joe Biden. In 2008, Biden said his helicopter in Afghanistan was forced down by al-Qaeda insurgents on the superhighway of terror. The Associated Press, another leftist news outlet, later reported a snowstorm, not the enemy, forced the pilot to land. One more, and I'll quit, and I've got a list of them. But in 07, Biden said he had been shot at during a trip years earlier to Iraq. He later clarified that he was near where a bullet landed. <laughs> I was in the neighborhood. They knew I was there. They had to be shooting at me because I was one person. They didn't want to be successful. They wanted to take me out. Oh my gosh. Politics, just when you think it's bad, it just goes over the top. Beto. Beto Oboob is running for governor and he's going to fix not just Texas, folks. He's going to fix not just the United States, but the entire world. You're going to hear from Beto next. <laughs> oh, I know you're waiting with bated breath. Back after this. Me and Beto. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. Duncan is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Duncan with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Duncan. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Duncan. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And My Computer Career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. 
Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. The Speaker of the House lies. The media swear to it. The President of the Senate obstructs. The media are all over the place, but totally divorced from the truth. So let's get back to navigating this Stygian River with, again, Dan Newman. Uh, somebody tell me, where's the Stygian River? S-T-Y-G-I-A-N. Stygian River. Boy, Pete Moss, he does some great stuff. Our show intros and our bumps here. He's a very great guy, longtime friend of mine. Uh, we we were in radio together year many years ago. He was a stud in a morning show in the old K-Rock in Shreveport, Louisiana. I worked with him at Keel News, and then he moved to Chicago. Got a great voice. Um, you hear him all over, all kinds of national commercials and promotions. But he's a flaming conservative. So just because of that, he's a good guy. Add to that the fact he's a friend of mine. It makes him even better, right? Stygian River. Uh, let me know if you know what that means. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. And by the way, during the break, you know, Marianne brought in that thing about Bubba Baker being a NASCAR driver, um, African-American. He's the one that weighed in on the... Kyle Rittenhouse case that it had to be racist. The jury did that simply because he wasn't black. If Kyle Rittenhouse had been black, according to Bubba Baker, he would have gotten life a life sentence, one opinion. And that comes from a guy, and Mike Stevens, one of our buddies down in Texas, notified me during the break, reminded me Bubba Baker was the black man. Remember when he joined NASCAR? He did the fake, somebody tied a noose in his car garage, and it went viral nationally. NASCAR, nobody can stand having an African-American driver, all those Southern boys, those NASCAR drivers, they had to get back at Bubba Baker, so somebody tied a noose. As it turned out, it wasn't a noose, it was a cord put on the garage door handle to be able to open it, and if you've ever had a garage door that ever every once in a while you had to open it manually they all have that loop <laughs> they all do it's just one of those things but why would we even think about not taking something and use it to weaponize our political perspective and use it against somebody who's of the opposite skin color that's what we do freedom of speech thing you know well Bozo Beto is back in the saddle again. You remember him? He uh, he took over Texas and actually had an almost successful bid to upseat Senator Ted Cruz. But he lost, and we all hoped that he'd just go away because very... Uh, Bubba Baker, Marianne just corrected me again, it's Bubba Wallace. I'm sorry. Bubba Baker was an NFL lineman, very good one at that. But Bubba Wallace... He was the NASCAR driver. Well, 
back to Beto. He has uh, announced that he's going to run against Greg Abbott or whoever wins uh, the Republican nomination for Texas governor. And um, Beto, you know, he came out when he ran for Ted Cruz and he was against everything that Ted Cruz was for and he was for everything that Ted Cruz was against. And uh, I think a lot of Texans have awakened since that election, especially in the light of what the far left have done to their state regarding illegal immigration, the defund the police and all that kind of stuff. Beto, he's back in it. And uh, he was asked over the weekend news show if he was looking forward to running against Greg Greg Abbott in Texas and having Joe Biden come to Texas and campaign for him. And a recent poll shows, though, that just 35% of Texans approve of his performance. Would you like the president to come and campaign with you? This campaign in Texas is not going to be about Joe Biden. It's not going to be about Donald Trump. It's not going to be about anyone from outside of our state. This is going to be about the people of Texas and what the people of Texas want. And I told you, they, they want the big things like jobs, great schools, and making sure everyone can see a doctor, but they also want to see some competence in their government. We had an electricity grid failure here in this state this year, though we are the energy capital of North America, millions without power, hundreds who unfortunately died during that disaster. And even afterwards, our governor has done nothing to protect this electricity grid, and you're seeing electricity and natural gas prices continue to increase in Texas, as ratepayers pay for the damage done by this government. People in this state want change, and they're focused on what's happening here in Texas, not on what's going on in the rest of the country. Does that mean that you would prefer that he not come, based on what you just said? It, It means that I'm focused on Texas and on my fellow Texans. Those are the people most important to me. There is there is no politician, there's no other person from outside of this state who can help to change the course of this election for better or for worse. And that's why I'm traveling to every part of this state, making sure that no one is written off and no one is taken for granted and that we keep the focus on Texas. Beto O'Rourke, he's put uh, right out there and tell us what you think about President Joe Biden. And of course, he evaded answering the question. He's not a politician, Beto isn't, but he's a wannabe politician. Maybe he's caught on. Don't answer the question. Don't ever answer any question that might make you look bad with someone else in your particular political party because at some point you may need their support. And, uh, of course, right now I can imagine Beto wanted to say, hell no, I'm not going to have him come campaign for me. Oh, my gosh. Newt Gingrich, you know him, the former Speaker of the House and the uh, Clinton administration, He has brought up and is kind of harping on the concerns over the criminal illegal immigrants that have come into the U.S. this summer. And he wrote a story, an editorial for the Washington Times, that some of those entering the U.S. illegally have gang connections, including members of the famous MS-13 El Salvadorian gang. Nobody talks about MS-13 anymore. Over 30 years ago, You remember the name Willie Horton? 30 years ago, there was an ad that included Willie Horton. 
and it was a hard-hitting negative political ad that dramatized the case of a convicted murderer serving a life sentence who committed violent crimes while he was on furlough, and that story sank Democrat presidential candidate Michael Dukakis's campaign against then-Vice President George H. W. Bush, Bush 41. Amid a surge of arrest of criminal non-citizens, those committing crimes in the U.S. after having entered illegally, may be the new Willie Hortons, who was that guy, that convicted murderer, who murdered again. New Gingrich raised concern over criminal illegals this summer, writing for the Washington Times that some of those entering the U.S. illegally have gang connections, MS-13 specifically. He added this, 74% of the MS-13 defendants in custody were here illegally. Now that's according to a Department of Justice report released in 2020. Several examples of the big number of criminal non-citizen arrests. Between June 4 and July 26, ICE arrested 302 illegal immigrant sex offenders as part of Operation SOAR. SOAR stands for Sex Offender Arrest and Removal. On October 7, a 24-year-old Honduran illegal immigrant stabbed to death the father of a family in Florida that he was staying with after entering the country by claiming he was just 17 years old. On October 23rd, 32-year-old Ernesto Lopez Morales, who is an illegal immigrant from Guatemala, was arrested after a hit-and-run that killed the five-year-old girl. Morales, who tested over the legal limit for blood alcohol content, he told cops he had drunk six 32-ounce beers at home before going out to buy more. He admitted to driving without his headlights on, fleeing the scene of the crash because he had neither insurance nor a driver's license. In March, 13 people were killed in a highway crash when 25 were crammed into a Ford Expedition and it was struck by a tractor-trailer. Ten of the 13 who died were Mexican citizens. Another SUV with 19 in it, people in it entered the U.S. through the same hole in the border fence and caught fire. Everybody got out. They were arrested by Border Patrol. On October 13th, a 35-year-old man from the Democrat Republic of the Congo, Fiston Noy, allegedly raped a woman on a Philadelphia train in front of other passengers. He entered the U.S. legally in 2012 on a student visa, but it was terminated in 2015 when he was no longer a student. In 2017, he pled guilty to a sexual abuse misdemeanor in Washington, D.C., was sentenced to 120 days in prison, nine months probation. Noy was placed in immigration detention in January of 2018, but he wasn't deported after an immigration judge in March of 2019 withheld his removal following a Board of Immigration Appeals finding that his misdemeanor sex offense was not a serious crime that would make him ineligible for such protection. Yeah, then he went on and raped that woman on the train in front of passengers. Another, illegal immigrant Edgar Antonio Gutierrez Martinez, arrested October 4th for felony convictions for first-degree child rape and incest. In June, 
Bruno Sanchez de Jesus, a 20-year-old who overstayed a 90-day waiver of his visa two years ago after he arrived in the U.S. from Portugal via Cape Verde, was charged with two counts of rape after allegedly sexually assaulting an 18-year-old woman on a Martha's Vineyard ferry. Let me just sum up. I'm done talking about this mess. But let me just sum it up. We live in the United States of America. Greatest country on the planet. I still feel that way. We've got our problems. We have our issues. And hopefully, we're in mass agreeing to fix those problems. And it starts, folks, by doing the things that we know, not only that we can do, but that we should do. Call me stupid, but I don't think we should have to beg those who are elected to serve us, those who take the oath of office to actually serve us, to do what they have promised to do and what they are supposed to do legally, which is enforce the freaking laws of the United States. You don't like the laws? Guess what? We have a very simple process in place that's been there for 260 years. If the laws are not good, don't serve their purpose. If they're egregious, if they're illegal, file a lawsuit against the federal government. Let it work its way up to the Supreme Court. That's the process. They will step in if something is illegal, a process, a law. They'll step in and say you can't do that. Short of that, folks, the only option to do it legally is to change the law, remove the law, and replace it with something else that's better. That process is called the legislative process, and according to the United States Constitution, that process is handled solely by the United States Congress. But we have people like, you heard him in two interviews there, two testimony segments from the U.S. Senate. You heard him talk, tell his story, tell his method. Has nothing to do with the rule of law, and he's an attorney. He's been a federal prosecutor. He's an attorney. He knows the law. He knows the rule of law. He knows the process. He swore an oath to do it, yet every day, He thumbs his nose at the American people. So let me ask you this. We're going to take our last break. How many young girls, how many babies need to be raped by illegals before you think it's time to step in and fix it? What if it was your child? What if it was your grandbaby? What if your kids were killed in a car wreck by a guy that was contained His blood contained twice the legal limit. And he's illegal. He doesn't have insurance. He drives at night without his headlights on. He doesn't have a driver's license. And the reason your babies were killed or raped was because somebody in politics made the unilateral decision saying, that's okay. We're going to let it stand. Those poor people from Central America and other places, they're doing everything they can to get away from their egregious treatment in their own countries. We're the greatest country on earth. We're going to let them stay. It's time to stop that. we got to quit, folks. The Facts. Nothing But with Dan Newman and you. Monday through Friday, TNN. 
Howdy, the streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. And those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. Well, that's a Disney bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney bundle. It's streaming at its best. Equals Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit the DisneyBundle.com for details. Little Caesars Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesars. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesars Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Technical difficulties. I'm so sorry, folks. Anyway, it's going to be a wrap on the show today. Don't forget tomorrow, our story and expose on exactly what's going on that is not only allowing, but is perpetuating all this craziness we're living through. Have a good one. We'll see you then.